I do most of my ministry outside of the United States. But when we're here, we're sitting right over there, about fourth row back with a bunch of our kids, grown kids. And one of the things that I've learned here is that our God is still a God of miracles. Miracles are still for today. And I want to preach a message tonight and tell you a little story. But the message is called Recipe for a Miracle. Recipe for a Miracle. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry to see God do miracles. I'm hungry in my ministry, in my family, in my church, and and around the world to see God do things. You've got your Bibles tonight. Look in Mark chapter 2. We'll start in verse 12. That's kind of the end, but we'll start there and then go back. Mark 2.12 says, They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. That's what I want in my life. That's what I want in my ministry. I want people to say, praise God. We've never seen anything like this before. I have a feeling I'm not the only one in the room tonight that's hungry for the supernatural, that's hungry to see the miracles of God, that's hungry to see God work. I want it. And I know you do too. Well, I've got some good news. There's a recipe. Sorry about that. There's a recipe for miracles leading up to Mark chapter 2, verse 12. And we're going to go back to Mark chapter 2, verse 3. There's four ingredients that I'm going to talk about tonight in the recipe for miracles. Four ingredients. And the first one is desperation. Mark chapter 2, verse 3. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. You know this story. Jesus comes back to Capernaum. He's in a house preaching. Everybody hears about it. The whole town starts to show up. There's people all filling the room, people outside, people in the doors, people in the windows. And four men show up carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. I don't know how far away they lived, how far they had to carry this man. But it might have been a long way because by the time they got there, Jesus was already preaching and the crowd was already huge. And you know what happened? When they could see Jesus, maybe. They could hear Jesus, maybe. But they couldn't get to him. A desperation began to well up inside of them. A desperation began to well up in them. You see, these weren't the kind of friends that turned to their friend on the mat and said, I'm sorry, brother. Man, we tried, but there's just too big of a crowd. We can't get you here today. We'll bring you back tomorrow. No, no, not these guys. You see, a terrible desperation began to well up inside of them. And that, my friends, is the precursor to a miracle. Desperation. Desperation. Are you desperate for God tonight? I remember the first time I became desperate for God. I was 16 years old, living in the mountains of New Mexico. 
I had gotten into a gang. I had gotten into a lot of trouble. I had nearly lost my life a couple of times by the age of 16. And my mom decided to send me to a Christian camp in the mountains. I didn't mind going to a Christian camp. I figured there'd be sports there. I figured there would be some pretty girls there. I could survive a week at Christian camp, no problem. But what I didn't count on was a 22-year-old evangelist anointed with the Spirit of God, on fire for Jesus. And he was going to preach every morning and every night. But I was a tough guy. So I withstood him the first morning and the first night. Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, I withstood him again. Wednesday morning, I withstood. Oh, but Wednesday night, July 21st. 1982, 35 years ago, last month, I couldn't resist anymore. When he gave the invitation that night, I got out of my seat and I went forward. I couldn't even get all the way to the front. There were so many teenagers crying and praying. I had to kneel in the aisle by myself. And I knelt down and I said, God, if you want me, I want you. And a desperation began to well up inside of me. A desperation to have what that young man had, to know what that young man knew, to be a part of the army of God like that young man was. I got up off my knees. I started running full out for Jesus. I went home and scared my mom and dad to death, scared my pastor to death. I started reading the Bible like crazy, started praying like crazy. Went back to my high school of 3,500 students, public high school. Started telling all my gang buddies about Jesus. And a miracle happened. Over the next two years, over 300 young people were saved in that school. Many of them are pastoring churches today and on the mission field today. We have a God who's a God of miracles. We have a God who's a God of miracles. I left high school, graduated, went off to Bible college, wanted to learn how to be the man of God that God wanted me to be. I was sitting in the chapel every day, and I kept noticing this pretty redhead up in the choir, in the alto section. And I could swear she was smiling at me. So one day I winked at her, and that blushing smile appeared again. And the next summer, we got married. She's sitting right there. We just celebrated our 32nd wedding anniversary. 32 years this week. We began to run hard together for God. We were desperate to see God work. Desperate for souls. Desperate for miracles. We had a baby the first year, baby the second year, baby the third year. Baby the fifth year, baby the seventh year, traveling around the country preaching the gospel anywhere they'd let us. And many, many of those people that we led to Christ are serving the Lord today around the world. Our God is a God of miracles. And those five kids are grown today, and they all work with us in ministry around the world. 
Our God is a God of miracles. James Denny said, the kingdom of heaven is not for the well-meaning. It is for the desperate. I love to think about Jim Cimbala, pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York. He said the thing that changed his life, and then he went on, he and his wife, to build that great church. He said the thing that changed in his life was, he said, I despaired at the thought that my life might slip by without seeing God work mightily on my behalf. That's how I feel tonight. I despair at the thought that my life, the rest of my life could slip by without seeing God work mightily on my behalf. Are you hungry tonight? Do you feel some desperation wearing, welling up inside of you? These four men stood there with their paralyzed friend. I don't know how long they had known him, how many times they had looked at him on that mat. But they were this close to Jesus. And the desperation turned into our second ingredient. Our second ingredient is daring. Daring. Mark chapter 2, verse 4. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Can you imagine this? Jesus is in that house preaching. All of a sudden they start hearing these noises above his head. The next thing you know, dirt starts falling down. I imagine that in my mind that Jesus stepped back and just kept on preaching. The next thing you know, you see some sharp sticks poking down through the roof. The next thing you know, they've opened up a hole in the roof large enough to lower a man lying horizontal on a mat. That's daring. I want to tell you the good news tonight. If you're desperate to see God move in your family, if you're desperate to see God move in your marriage, if you're desperate to see God move in your career, if you're desperate to see God move in your ministry, God has some miracles for you. And that desperation is going to turn in to some daring boldness. And that's going to bring a miracle. Jim Elliott said, I pray that the Lord might give you a daredevil spirit, consuming you with passion. Shortly after he said that, he went into the jungle in Ecuador to win the Alca Indians to Christ. And the first day, they came out of the jungle and speared him to death. But you know what? His desperation and his daring were the recipe for a miracle. You know that missiologists tell us that Jim Elliott's life and martyrdom have inspired over 100,000 people today to go to the mission field and win untold thousands for Christ. Oh, Jim Elliott's looking over the battlements of heaven saying, yes, I knew God had a miracle for me. God has some miracles for you tonight. 
He has some miracles for all of us. 2008, I was pastoring. All my five teenage kids at the time were working in the church with my wife and I. I was happy as I could be. And then God began to put a burden on my heart. I don't even know where it came from except from the Holy Spirit. I began to have a burden about the orphans of the world, about the countries and the poor and, and the vulnerable people in the world. I began to have a terrible burden for them. And I began to pray. I began to walk around my neighborhood at night and with my arms in the air and say, Oh God, send my family to the nations. Give my kids this passion. Give my wife this passion. We're supposed to go do something in the nations for God. Please, God. One day I got the idea to pray this daring prayer. God, I don't know how to get to the nations. I don't know how to help orphans. I don't have any money. I have no idea. I don't even have a passport. I have no idea how to do what you're burdening me to do. But God, if you will drop an orphan on my doorstep, I'll take it in. Safe prayer, right? <laughs> you guys know God too. I came home, I told my wife, honey, I don't know what got into me, but God's got a hold of my heart. I told him that if he drops an orphan on our doorstep, we'll take it in. She said, fine. If God drops an orphan on our doorstep, we'll take it in. Two weeks later, two weeks later, I got an email from a family that was bringing a little 13-year-old girl from Liberia, Africa, who was dying. She was 13 and weighed 48 pounds. She was, they were bringing her to Texas Children's Hospital in Houston. And they said, somebody told us if we get to Houston, we've got to get a hold of the Bullen family for help. Long story short, July 3rd, 2008, they brought that little girl to our doorstep with a little bag of clothes, and she became ours. Today, she's a beautiful 23-year-old girl up at UT Arlington in Dallas, and she's watching on the live feed tonight. Her name's Mercy. Her birth name. God has a sense of humor. <laughs> I love you, Mercy. Mercy began to create a desperation in us that became a daring. We began to say, we could help many kids like this, not just this one. The next year, my daughter Beverly and I, who's here somewhere tonight, my daughter Beverly and I she was 18 at the time. We went to Colombia. We spent 10 days walking through the orphanages of Colombia. God devastated our hearts. The last night, we'd been playing for a couple of days with this little girl named Heidi. Cutest thing you ever saw, 12 years old. And it was time to go. We were almost going to be late for our plane. And all the mission team was in the van, and I was standing outside the van hugging Heidi. She was whispering in my ear, kissing me on the cheek and whispering in my ear in Spanish. I didn't understand a word she said. 
but I did understand the word papa. Two of my big burly mission team guys reached out of the van, grabbed me by the back of my leather coat, pulled me into the van and slammed the door and took off for the airport so we didn't miss our plane. I started crying like I've never cried before and I've never cried since. And I said, if I have to swim the Gulf of Mexico, I'm going to help that girl. Kind of a daring promise, right? Kind of a daring vow. Today, that beautiful girl is my daughter. I've been back to Colombia with all the members of my family 26 times in the last eight years. We've helped hundreds and hundreds of kids. God has done it. We've just been tagging along. We just get to hold on to daddy's hand while he goes to work. We just get to tag along. He does all the work. Desperation will turn into daring. And number three, daring will turn into direction. Mark 2, verse 4. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Woo! They got him to the right guy. Amen? Right down in front of Jesus. That was the right direction. Sometimes our desperation, we take it the wrong direction. There are many people in this world that are desperate, but they take that desperation to drugs or, or alcohol or any other number of things. They took him to Jesus. We've got to get people to Jesus. He's the answer. Jesus is the real answer. You, you and I know it. We've got to get people to Jesus. Man, I started getting excited about this as I was looking at this recipe. I was like, Lord, is this in more miracles in the Bible other than this one? I read the whole book of Mark that day. I found 13 miracles in the book of Mark that followed the same pattern. Desperation, daring, direction. How about Mark 5.25? There's a woman with a 12-year hemorrhage. Oh, she's desperate. She spent all of her money on doctors. They haven't healed her. And she sees Jesus walking down the street. And a daring raises up in her. And she heads in the right direction. She crawls through the crowd. She didn't even have four friends that could bring her to Jesus. She got herself to Jesus. She touched the hem of his robe and was healed. Blind Bartimaeus, the end of Mark. Jesus is walking by. He cries out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd says, be quiet. Be quiet, Bartimaeus. Don't bother the master. Bartimaeus says, oh, I'm sorry. No. No, he doesn't. He's desperate. And he does something a little daring. He cries out even louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, bring him over here. And he can see for the first time in his life. 
Four years ago, my 24-year-old daughter, Rebecca, came to me. She said, Daddy, she's sitting there somewhere. <laughs> she came to me and she said, Daddy, I know you love Colombia, but God's calling me to Africa. I said, well, that's kind of daring. Sounds good to me. You belong to Jesus anyway, not to me. You better go where he tells you. She went over to Zambia, lived in the bush, no running water, no electricity for two years, helped get an orphanage off the ground that today is helping dozens and dozens and dozens of children. Not only that, she drugged me over there a year later. I started preaching crusades in Rwanda and in Zambia. Today, there are five celebration churches in Rwanda and in Burundi. And it's seven hours different time there. So after they all get out of church, they come home and they get on the internet and they watch Pastor Frankie preach a message. And on Wednesday nights, they see Brother Isaiah preach or they see Brother Lance, Pastor Lance preach or they see Sarah or somebody. And they're all watching tonight. Uganda, Burundi, Liberia, direction. Three years ago, my youngest daughter, Brooke, came to me. She was 20. Said, Daddy, God's calling me to Columbia full time. I'm scared. I'm only 20 years old. I said, yeah, but God's a lot older than that. And he'll go with you. She said, okay. She's been down there three years. And oh, if I had all night, I couldn't tell you all the miracles. Right this moment, she's out in the jungle in Western Columbia on a health brigade with a young lady named Rebecca Arnold, whose parents are sitting right there. Miracles! God has miracles for you, too. Number four, and this is the good one. Desperation leads to daring. Directed at Jesus makes a divine encounter. Hallelujah. Verse five. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Healed him on the inside. Verse 10. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. That's the recipe for a miracle. Desperation, daring, and direction, and divine encounter is the reward. William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, once said, God loves with a great love the man or woman whose heart is bursting with a passion for the impossible. And now I got to tell you real quick about the greatest miracle of my life. 120 days ago tonight, 
120 days ago. I went to do a building inspection here in the Woodlands to make a little money to help fund our ministry. I put up a 16-foot ladder up on the building, climbed up the ladder, got to the roof, and that's the last thing I remember. I don't remember anything after that. You see, I fell off that ladder. I fell 16 feet and landed on concrete. I shattered all my facial bones 120 days ago tonight. Shattered all my facial bones, broke eight ribs, broke three vertebrae, my spleen dead, one of my kidneys partially damaged, bleeding internally. I don't remember any of this, but I lay on that sidewalk. I've seen pictures of all the blood on the sidewalk. And there was a young lady back there that should never have been there. She usually takes her lunch to work, but that day she forgot her lunch. So she went out to get some lunch. Nobody ever would have seen me lying on that ground, except a young lady named Renee went out to eat her lunch in her car in the parking lot. Renee's sitting right there behind my wife tonight. Thank you for saving my life, Renee. She called 911. They had me to the hospital in 11 minutes. She called my wife. She, she took my phone. This is what I've heard. She took my phone and said, call my wife. And it dialed my wife. And she told her. Everybody rushed to the hospital. Brother Dwayne was there. Pastor Lance was there. Pastor Dwayne were there. Forty people rushed to the hospital that night. Stood around my wife in the waiting room. The doctor came out and said, prepare your family. Matt's not going to survive. There's no way. I just spent eight hours, the doctor said, putting fires out in his body, but I can't do anything else. He's not going to make it. Those people prayed. People in this room, many of you in this room were there. You prayed. You were desperate for me. You prayed some daring prayers. I've seen them written on Facebook. I've tried to read them all. There's hundreds of them. My wife always used to quote Angus Buchan. The condition for a miracle is difficulty. The condition for a great miracle is impossibility. For 25 days, I lay unconscious in the ICU. Pastor Frankie was so good. All of you guys were so good. My Trace Diaz brothers and sisters, Trace Diaz ministry from Dallas, all over Houston, flooded the hospital every day. My daughter and her husband flew home from Columbia, thinking that they would have to be here for the funeral. Three brain bleeds. <laughs> That's why I can't say it quite right. 
three brain bleeds, a closed brain injury. It was the end. I lay there for 25 days. The doctors came to my wife. May 3rd. 95 days ago. Only 95 days ago. Came to my wife and they said, you need to put him in hospice. He's not going to come to. He's, he's not going to. He, he's going to die. She went home to get a shower. Got in her prayer closet. She has a, a rug that's been there for years in our closet. She prays on. She was on that prayer rug begging God to save me. Her phone rang and she wouldn't normally answer the phone when she's praying, but she looked at it and it said, Pastor Frankie Mazapika. And she answered the phone. He said, fill me in, what's going on? She filled him in. He said, God can, let's pray. While she's kneeling in the closet on the phone, they prayed, please God, wake Matthew up. Please wake him up. Please heal him. She got dressed, drove to the hospital. This is the morning of May 4th, 95 days ago. Walked in my room, walked up to my bed, and I opened my eyes and said, good morning, beautiful. She said, it's you. It's really you. And then started texting Pastor Frankie. He's awake. He's awake. And Pastor Frankie texted back, what? Praise God. 95 days ago. This is my first chance to preach since I woke up. Thank you. 18 countries are blowing up my phone right now saying, please come do a crusade in our country. Do you believe in miracles? I'm desperate. I'm feeling awful daring, aren't you? I'm directing all my hopes and prayers to Jesus. I have no idea what the next 25 years are going to look like. But God's a miracle worker. And he has miracles for you. He has miracles for you. We please stand with your heads bowed, eyes closed. I want to do something quickly. If you're desperate for a miracle tonight, whatever it is, that prodigal child, that marriage, that financial issue, that health problem, I don't know what it is. 
But if you're desperate for a miracle tonight, would you just step out and come and gather up here and let me pray over all of you? Just come. Just show heaven that you're serious about a miracle in your life. Show hell that you're serious about God showing up and giving you a divine encounter. Bless you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, God, I pray right now that your spirit would fill each and every one of these people. God, give them a new hope, a fresh faith, a fresh wind of your spirit blowing across their heart. And God, give them the belief that you're a miracle worker. That no matter how big the problem in their heart right now, you can see it, I can't, but you know what's in their hearts right now. I pray, God, you would give them the assurance that you're bigger than that problem. Maybe some of them have dreams. Some of them have things they, they've taken off their prayer list. It's been so long. They're still waiting for that answer. God, let them put it back on the prayer list and hear those prayers, Father. Please, Father. Let us see the supernatural in our lives. Father, the people watching tonight, my friends in Pakistan, Colombia, all over Africa, Peru, all of you tonight, God has a miracle for you. Don't quit crying out. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. No official dismissal tonight. We'd like to sing one song with the praise team. Feel free to do that. But go with God. He has a miracle for you.